When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. You know, he's done everything we've asked of him. He probably could have handled playing. Guy had a lot of snaps in those two games that he played for the Raiders, so it really wasn't a matter of getting him some time or preseason time. Um, he's done a great job acclimating already, so he was really up as our third emergency co- quarterback if we needed him. Um, but I didn't want to throw him out there just yet. Um, we'll continue to kind of uh, talk through how that depth chart's going to look behind Kirk. But um, thought Sean did some good things in the first half, and and really, really, we were a couple plays away, a couple uh, you know drop balls away from Kellen putting together maybe a really nice night. And then obviously we just couldn't get any momentum there on that last two minute drive. Yeah, and finally, the actual football games are now on the horizon for the Vikings in a couple weeks. The third preseason game is behind us. We will break it all down and uh, dive into some of the news that came out of last night's game on this uh, sort of a, I don't know, it's not really an emergency episode. Call it a bonus Sunday episode of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl and at some point a preseason game maybe before we die. It's been about three years since they've won a preseason game. Um, The show is presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs. They offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL bringing you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. Learn more at TCL.com. Jeff, what was your number one headline takeaway from the third and final preseason game? So I'm going to go with the obvious here, but I, I think it's still important. And we certainly love to talk about quarterbacks. But my number one takeaway was if there was any question about what was going to happen on Tuesday, it's been cleared up. Um, it, in their own special way, Mannion and Mond can't be on, or there's no real compelling case that I see to have them on the uh, final 53-man roster. Mannion, who played the entire first half, like we knew that. Mond, I was a little bit more curious about, but you know what? There was a, I believe it was a three-play sequence, guys, that summarized where Mon's at right now. And why I would very much consider having him on my practice squad, but I would not eat up a, a roster spot, considering that they are deemed to be very valuable right now. Um, and it was the second half series when Mon made a touch pass to Amir Smith-Marset, which was really nice. A thing, It was a nice catch, but it was a really nice throw. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the announcers are like, you know, that's a heck of a throw, and they were exactly right. And that was awesome. 
And then, and this is where, and it's a preseason game, okay? So, again, no one's really scheming. There's not really, like, uh, exotic blitzes and, and no. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then that was followed by a gross overthrow to, I believe it was Nick Muse, who had a terrible game himself. But anyway, um, in this case, it was not his fault. It was a really poorly thrown ball. And then that was followed by one of the things that I saw, and, and this is what I was bringing up during the course of training camp. And last night we got a just an just an excellent view of the problem. That was followed by a sack. And yes, Kellen Mann was playing with an offensive line that was definitely depth guys, okay? So I'm not going to say, oh no, he was with the top offensive line. But that being said, last night, I think he took about three sacks in which you have to get rid of the football. Like this, yeah. is how the, this is how this league works. This is why the whole Kirk thing of, well, he doesn't have protection. Okay, that's partially true, but also like you're relying on your quarterback to say, oh my goodness, it's breaking down, bang, the ball is out. It might be an incompletion. Um, and he just took a sack. And so in those three plays, I saw exactly what I had seen throughout the course of training camp, and that's why I consider him to be a practice squad guy. Uh, at best right now, not a 53-man roster guy. And so Nick Mullins didn't play because why play him? He's yeah, the he has backup. 17 starts in his NFL career. That's my biggest my biggest takeaway was the, the the entire quarterback depth chart for the 53-man completely, if there were any questions, cleared itself up in Denver. Yeah, I think it's it, we're kind of doing the whole black and white thing again here where, well, I mean, but there are some drops, and so therefore it eliminates all of the other bad stuff. Well, I mean, what's he supposed to do? There's a, there was a couple drops out there. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't give you the permission to, to take a horrible sack on the edge of field goal range at one point where you're now – Turns out they made a 58-yard field goal because Greg Joseph is incredible, and we will yeah. get in the hold was spectacular, by oh, the way. What a we'll hold. Get to all of that. My guy, Ryan Wright. <laughs> so, but I like, said I loved him. At the time of the sack, you're like, dude, oh, my God, why are you taking – you cannot take that sack. And it wasn't like snap, boom, defender in his face. It was snap, process, process, right. oh, can't find anything. Now I'm going to take a sack at the 40-yard line. Good thing you have one of the, the best long-range kickers in the NFL, but – the other one was the rollout to the left on fourth down. Yep. You just, you can't take a sack there. I, <laughs> and Kevin O'Connell immediately brings him over on the sideline, and and he didn't dress him down or anything like Mike Zimmer may have, but uh, he immediately was like, dude, you you couldn't like read all of what he was saying like through reading his lips, but you knew that he was saying some variation of, guy, it's fourth down. I just need you to throw the ball somewhere. Just right. just throw it up to the back of the end zone somewhere. You can't eat that in that situation. So, so yeah, it's just it's, it's disappointing because you do see there are a couple passes here and there that do make sense, but by and large, the decision-making is uh, a touch or two slower than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think if it came down to, hey, the Vikings decided they're going to keep three quarterbacks on the roster, I would keep Kellen Mond as my third. QB three, and I would say goodbye to Sean Mannion, because I don't know. You, you've already got sort of the the veteran, experienced backup guy in Nick Mullins, who has some knowledge of the system, at least the like the coaching tree of the system in the Shanahan offense. Right. I don't want Sean, Sean Mannion was disastrous as well. So like he has shown me nothing in preseason or regular season football games that lead me to believe that he should be an active NFL player on a fifty three man NFL roster. Kellen Mond isn't good enough yet either, but might become good enough in six months or a year. 
And so, again, it's I don't want either of those guys playing a regular season game. But if I'm keeping three quarterbacks, I'm keeping Kellen Mond as my third quarterback. And I just wouldn't keep three now because with Mond, I think that if if um, if he was their guy, so if Kwesi and O'Connell had drafted him, I think that there is a much better chance they keep him as the third guy on the final roster. That being said, he's not th- their guy. I'm almost positive that they're going to draft a quarterback um, in the next draft. And I think with what Mond has put on tape, you would have to be pretty confident in your ability to outcoach O'Connell QB-wise to say, oh, we'll fix him. Yeah. So I, I think he, he is a practice squad guy. My only question about the eventual uh, fallout from what we see on Tuesday, and this is something I have no, no clue about, but it's not going to surprise me, is Kirk going to politic for Mannion to be brought back, even potentially as a practice squad guy, because he likes them in the room, and they're good friends. That's the, the one question. Is he eligible for practice squad? Yes. Mannion? They've changed that rule now. I think okay. you can have like up to two or three like old men like me, just like oh yeah. For I'll some take, reason, I thought that I'll was just, the money. just a COVID year thing in 2020. They but kept that, okay. So you could, in theory, have Mannion just around practice squad, whatever. If you have completely given up on Kellen Mond as yep. the as the backup in even two years from now. Because you, the thing about Mond is you do have him under team control if you want for two more years at a third-round draft pick level salary. So mm-hmm. you're you're never going to be breaking the bank for him. If you thought there was a, a player in there as a backup year three, year four, you know you do run the risk of another team picking him up. Again, I don't think, I don't, I don't think we have a Tom Brady situation here where you're going to look back and Wonder why you passed on that guy, but I'm just saying, like Sean Mannion has zero upside. Correct. Kellen Mond has some upside. That should be considered in the next few days. Yep. Yeah, I just I don't think there's anything that Sean Mannion has shown you in his preseason football games that you know warrant keeping him on the roster. And and he's great in the room. You know, if, if you could pluck his brain and keep that brain around, which is great, and that's where he's been able to stick around as long as he can in the NFL. And, you know, I'm sure he works harder in practice, and there's probably things in practice that they have seen that's not on tape for everyone else to see that they believe in Mannion. But at this point, dude, like, it's over. Like, I, I, I would be pretty upset if Sean Mannion was kept on the active roster uh, over Kellen Mott. Yeah. Start right. coaching, man. Start Any, coaching. Who? Mannion? Mannion, yeah. Start oh, okay. coaching. Not me. Yeah. He's going to be a coach. It's like, be more specific there. Yeah. He's going to be a coach. <laughs> Uh, he will be a coach probably at some point. Uh, any other final quarterback thoughts from you guys before we get to a bunch of other things on the the newsworthy list from last night? Um, I've got one, and, and it's uh, it's exhibition game related, but outside of the Vikings, a lot of teams made grave mistakes. Malik Willis can play. You go watch what he's doing right now. Oh, dude, he's yeah. That's and I'm 50-yard run he had, man. That was... And I'm telling hmm. you, I'm telling you, how does that athletic ability get to the third round? Well, this because he, he, he... But here's why, and this is what's hilarious about it. Well, but he, you know, he has some trouble processing defenses in the passing game. Well, you know what? While he builds that ability, yes. he runs for 50 yards in chunks right. like he did in that game. And good, this is good yes. luck stopping him either way. <laughs> and this is exactly where there is a conversation, and this is what, what drives me crazy about football people between Mond and Willis. Kellen Mond processes by standing there. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's breaking down. What should I do? Oh, I, and then he takes off. Too late! Too late! Too late! Our bang blows up. Right? You're right. 
Willis, while whilst um, processing probably slower than coaches want, takes off. Yeah, screw it. Anyway, I just this league can drive me crazy. And when I watch that kid play now, with all of the people that were in on him going into that draft, and he made it to the third round, that to me, in in a quarterback starved league, where where early round flyers, I think are probably smarter. It drives me crazy. Well, think about it, too. That level of athletic ability buys you multiple years to slow down the processing as you grow into it. Yeah. Think about the guys. I mean, Josh Allen wasn't processing very quickly the first couple of years, and his mechanics were jacked. Russell Wilson, <laughs> Michael Vick. I don't know. My, Michael Vick was never fully great as a pocket passer. But, and I, again, I'm not saying that you have to be able to sit back there and process and throw darts if you want to be a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, I think. But man, yeah, third to have that many teams pass on a guy, and um, the Vikings be one of them. It'll be a very interesting guy to watch. He will have to get better at that stuff, but it's a it's a nice little bridge that you can that you can use the next two years to be able to just run for nine hundred yards and a bunch of touchdowns when they put you in a game. So um, let's just kind of check through some of the other news. BC Johnson with another knee injury. And yeah. Kevin O'Connell came out after the game and said it's not looking good. He did do enough to make the team. Just he wanted to put that out there and say, yeah, he was he was going to be on the 53, but the injury doesn't look good. So we'll have to see if 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 he was going to make the team. And we don't know if they're going to keep five or six wide receivers. My guess is probably six. You know that Amir Smith-Marset's in. He's looked very impressive. But if He's B.C. Johnson... Yeah, he's the four for sure. He's the four, I agree. So if they keep two more and B.C. Johnson is not going to be one of them because he's going to be on the injured list, who do you think the other two are? Or do you think they only keep five if B.C.'s out? I think if B.C.'s out, uh, and it certainly sounds like he is. Now, he, he tore his ACL in a training camp practice last year, um, and, and O'Connell refused to say if it was the same knee or claimed he didn't know, uh, but this certainly sounds like it's bad. So... Let's just assume BC's year is done again, which is unfortunate. Um, I think it becomes easier to potentially keep five. I, I think like before I thought it was BC and and uh, Naylor, perhaps, Myron Mitchell. Unfortunately, my my guy uh, dropped a pass last night, and so I think he's a practice squad guy now. I don't think he's going to make the roster. I love how decisions are made like that. Ooh, that one play yeah. in the third quarter of I one like preseason game. Sorry, well, guy. Well, I, I do think it's fair now with, with the uh, size of practice squads. I do think it's fair to have discussions about the fact that that from what they put on tape from from exhibition games, can you get them through? Like that's my my big thing is not oh I think he's going to make the fifty three man and contribute. My thing is if the guy had a good camp and I like him, can I get him through at least initially on Tuesday to practice squad? My answer to that one now is yes. So I think what they do is. Is I think it's I think it's probably a simpler decision if they decide to keep five, and I'm a little bit torn. Then I, I guess if you think you can get Naylor through the practice squad as well, uh, it's Mitchell perhaps or something like that. But I do think BC being out would clear up the the torture of saying we have to keep six to at least initially we might keep five and then take it up to six if we if you know we pick up a guy off the wire, yeah. or or if a guy on practice squad is performing well and can get promoted. 
one through four, I love the Vikings receivers. And the more I see of Amir Smith Marset, who, to his credit, too, had a nice punt return last night. Had a nice little, like, 20 yard. I don't remember what the final to- total the was, but it was the, nice. The catching concerns me. But once he gets the ball, I think he's good. And, the, and the, it's obvious why they want him to. Yes, be the punt returner because it just it's a, it's an extra maybe four times a game where you get to use that speed, and maybe he maybe he breaks one into opposing territory or something. So so yeah, one through four, man, I really like the Vikings wide receivers, and we did, we haven't seen really any of the top three in these preseason games. So it'll be fun to see those guys unleashed in the regular season with the number one offense. Uh, I have a running back observation for you guys too off last night. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's very obvious that Ty Chandler is at least the third best running back on this team. He might even be better than Alex Madison. That dude can play. And I get that he's going against seconds and thirds and it's vanilla defenses, but just like watch the way that he moves, watch the way that he hits the hole. Some of the runs he's been breaking off in these preseason games. I mean, he had what, like 44 yards on five carries or something last night? Didn't and fumble. What's that? He did, he did not fumble. Fumble. Kane did. I, I that that is just football death. I hate that. And and that was the second part of my observation, which is, you know, Wang Wu's fumble. It happens. He's not the first guy to fumble in a football game, but he does have a major lack of experience, even dating back to college as a ball carrier. You know, he wasn't even at Iowa State. You know, most of these guys that get drafted as running backs, like Ty Chandler, at least you've got a a season of like 200 carries under your belt in college or something. And, you know, he, he wasn't even a featured running back in college. So I think if you were to go back to his entire, I'm going to pull this up real quick. I don't think he has 200 carries in his career dating back to like his freshman year of college. So just carrying the football and getting hit and getting used to, Oh, I got to protect the ball here against high level competition is a thing that he is still working on. So the way I kind of see it right now, it's Dalvin Cook is on a different platform. Alex Madison is a very good serviceable backup. Wasn't as good last year as maybe previous years. Yards per carry was down. Ty Chandler is very much the most intriguing backup running back that they have on the roster behind Dalvin Cook. And Kane Wangwu should definitely be on the team as a kick returner and a guy that you drop some trinket plays for. But if you're looking for a guy to come in at some point, hey, we need a... The second half, we need a running back that we can actually hand the ball to and do running back things. Ty Chandler is above Kane Wangwa on that list for me. And here's why I think he makes it. Um, and, and I think part I think part of the reason why they're going to keep uh, one more r- running back than they prefer is not necessarily based on 2022, but but more so the future. Wangwu and Chandler especially fit exactly what you want from that position now. Um. Cook is well paid and Cook is great. So Cook is Cook is completely safe and and he'll probably miss some time, but you know what? He's damn good. Madison's more of an old school guy. Um, you know, he's he's the guy that comes in to replace Cook, and that has value. But when you look at at those last two that we've been talking about, those two guys play football as running backs, and they're almost also long-term disposable pieces, so they're absolutely perfect. So I think the construction of the depth chart at running back will probably have an extra player on it on Tuesday based on the future too, Mm -hmm. because, because the one thing is, and he might, you know what he odds are now he is, he's going to be on the roster for the entire season. Madison though, is going to be a, a free agent after the season. He is gone for sure. 
And so, yeah, I think that there's going to be some depth. I think there's going to be some roster decisions made by these guys also based on how they see the future construction of things uh, above and beyond just what they think is best going into the Packers game on uh, on the 11th of September. Uh, here is the it's worse than I thought, actually, on Kane Wangwu's just lack of experience. Sure. So he had a, he had 143 total carries in college. 13 last year with the Vikings, so, you know, call it just over 150 carries dating back to his freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. Ty Chandler had 603 carries, power five carries in college, including 182 his last year at uh, North Carolina. So so he had about 30 more carries in his last year than Wang Hu has had in five years, one year NFL, four years college total. Just when it comes down to who do you trust to just carry the ball and mechanically be a good running back? And, yep. and Chandler's got some explosiveness too. So he's really proved himself in the last month, month and a half. And Cal- I don't think Calfield oh, too that they're sorry. gonna they're gonna try to probably keep as many playmakers as possible, right? So like if they're we were talking about if they're gonna keep five, or they're gonna keep six wide receivers. Okay, well are they gonna keep four running backs too? So if if you obviously kept six wideouts. And then you have four running backs. Like I know that occupies ten spots of your fifty-three, but there's so many playmakers around that they probably want to keep as many as those guys on the roster. Like if you look at someone like Amir Smith Marset, that dude is the number is the second wide receiver at least on the Bears or Packers right now. Um, so and from the running back side, you have legitimate playmakers. And I don't know if they're exploring calls for Alexander Madison. You know, I, I kind of forecasted if if a team lost a starting running back between now and the regular season, that might demand the market up for someone like Alexander Madison be expendable in a trade. I don't think they're just going to be cutting Alexander Madison, nor should they, but it is curious how they'll shake out the wide receivers and those running backs. Cause I think Kevin O'Connell wants to maximize all those playmakers in general. And I, I think the most important question on Tuesday, again, to go back to it is who can you get through to your practice squad? And I think Chandler has put enough on film where you couldn't, somebody would claim him, I think. And I don't want to lose him. So, so there are there are definitely some guys I like who I think I can sneak through, especially because when the final cuts come down on Tuesday, the entire market itself is going to be absolutely flooded with players. But I think Chandler's a guy who's probably caught some eyes, and so if I was to cut him on Tuesday and lose him, I'm probably like, you know what, not a great look or move. So I think he makes it based on that too, because yes, I'm. Wangu, I really like as far as what he can bring as um, as a gimmick player. And I mean, hell, the man returned two kickoffs for touchdowns. Very few people are capable of that now. Uh, but that being said, I don't think that he is ever going to be regular running back material. Tyson Chandler, I think, can be. Uh, I've been thinking about Declan's point about Amir Smith-Marset here, and I even pulled up the Packers roster. I think he would be the Packers... Second, second best receiver, maybe. So yeah. 32-year-old Randall Cobb. Would you rather a 32-year-old Randall Cobb or Amir Smith-Marset? Yep. Smith-Marset. I'll take Smith-Marset Probably. at this point in their careers. Yeah, Cobb. And Cobb is uh, Cobb is old and, and beat up, too. So he's not like a fresh 32. Alan Lazard is being dubbed as the number one. He's, you know, six foot five, big body guy. He's being, I'll give him Alan Lazard. I take yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, he's I a agree. good player. Undrafted. Sammy Watkins, thirty year old Sammy Watkins. Six years Sammy, ago. Yeah, Sammy Watkins <laughs> might be been a totally while cooked since himself. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and then Christian Watson is the is the kid out of North Dakota State they drafted in the second round. Another just six foot five behemoth, but he's never played a snap. That's what I'm curious about. I if no Amir Smith Marset was was re-entering the draft right now, he'd be a probably a second round draft pick. Oh, he'd be a first round draft pick, but oh, probably be a second or third round draft pick. Maybe I'm just being a homer there, but I think he's I think he's a really good player. <laughs> so, um, Aaron Rodgers will find a way to make this work regardless. But uh, anyways, the other piece of confirmation we got last night, we should bring this up here, is when asked about Ed Ingram as the starting right guard, somebody asked Kevin O'Connell, hey, Ed Ingram was among the guys who didn't have to play last night. What does that mean for his Chances to be the starting right guard, and um, Kevin O'Connell didn't fully confirm it, but he said it's trending in that direction that Ed Ingram has won the starting right. I don't know what else needs to I happen here. I declared this but... over three weeks ago, okay? <laughs> Listen to me, not O'Connell. It is kind of weird that he wouldn't just come out and say, he's the starting right guard. Maybe there's is there another level at practice he needs to achieve here, I guess. But uh, your thoughts on Ed Ingram, second-round pick, beating out the veterans, the injured veterans. He did it weeks ago. He did it weeks ago, and you know what? I have no idea if it's go- going to, to work great, but here's what I do like about it. I like the commitment to finally thinking that you found a real solution. Not some guy that was, uh, you know, the backup on the Titans last year or had a cup of coffee with the Rams, an actual draft pick. Uh, the Ingram pick itself in, in the second round, right, seemed to be a reach because I think he was projected more as a third or potentially fourth round guy. But that being said, here's what I appreciate. I appreciate the fact that it looks like a a high draft pick might be the solution here. And if he is, let him play. Like there is no advantage to being like, well, but Jesse Davis has experience. You know, you, you Phil have uh, quoted PFFs, um, statistical disdain for his 2021. It was now he was a tackle, but the point is, I like the fact that that this team is finally trying to find a right guard who is not just a fixer upper, you know, car. Oh, we're going to drive this thing for six hundred miles, and then she's going to fall apart. So I I like the commitment to actually trying to solve the problem. This does feel like an anti Mike Zimmer thing. Like Z- Zimmer was, all coaches want young players to prove themselves over time. You're not just going to be anointed the starting right guard, you know, during mini camp back in June. So every coach starts off from the point of, hey, young guys, you got to beat out these veterans and prove it. But Mike Zimmer would carry that over into like week eight, you know, he just, he would just be, or week, you know, week one, week two, Justin Jefferson. Nope. Sorry. Not yet. Not yet. We're going to wait till October and then we're going to start you. And so this, this is the right move. It's, it's absolutely why put one of these veterans in, at the beginning of the season, if you feel like this is just going to happen in week four anyways, right? You might as well. See, I, I, like, the, I like the way they're doing this because then if Ed Ingram just isn't good enough or which I don't think is going to be the case, but if he, if he can't handle it, now you got some veterans back here to lean on to replace him as opposed to running out the incompetent veterans to start the season behind the eight ball. Like start with the high upside guy. If it works, boom, you're off to the races. If it doesn't, you got fallback plans. So just a. Seems like a pretty easy decision once you once you saw what he was doing in some of the practices as you reported and uh, and the games. He was pretty good in the games too. Here's my question: Which of the three uh, uh, veterans who have been vying for jobs might get cut? I think Schlotman's safe because I think he is. You know, he, he's, he's the proven center. that yeah. that he can. 
uh, back up Bradbury. And I, you know, potentially if he has to start. Um, Jesse Davis has been moved now to left guard, which indicates to me that they're trying to judge if he can be that swing guard type of guy. Because he was he was originally going to be, um, when training camp started, the starting right guard. So they know that he can definitely play both spots. Chris Reed finally has come back now. And last night he was playing some guard. And then he was the center after Schlotman and before Sokol. Um, I would guess that if a guy's in trouble, it's Chris Reed. But they definitely were trying to get a look at Reed at center, which I don't love because we, we've you know talked about this. He has never played a game there. Mm-hmm. in his career. Um, but that's my question now, is is one of those three veteran guys potentially come Tuesday on the chopping block? Uh, we have PFF grades, by the way, if you want to know how th- these just came out during the show here. If you want to know how some of these backup offensive linemen performed according to PFF in this game. Let's get it. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Football. The number one blocker in that game last night Offensive line for the Vikings was Chris Reed at right guard, largely. Let's say he played 13 center snaps, 21 right guard snaps in that Started game at right last guard night. Too. Started at right guard. So he was, yeah, he was the best blocker for the Vikings last night. 84.4 grade, no pressures allowed. Uh, Oli Udo was the actually I take that back Kyle Hinton was number 2 he did not start but he played 44 snaps and then uh, Oli Udo had a pretty nice game Austin Schlotman fairly decent game at center only played 21 snaps so I think you're right he Austin Schlotman's the backup center he's not going anywhere yep uh, I think I think this was kind of their hey Chris Reed you've missed a lot of time let's let's at least get you in there see what you look like I think Chris Reed made the team last night I think Jesse Davis, who played 21 snaps, was uh, very pedestrian, according to Pro Football Focus. I think if either Jesse Davis or Chris Reed are going to get cut, it's going to be Jesse Davis, I think. Um, And then beyond that, Wyatt Davis was okay last night. Played 31 snaps all at left guard, so they've now kind of moved him around both guard positions. See you later, kid. And then uh, Josh Sokol played the other 31 snaps at center with the third team. And he was uh, not a disaster, but he was not very well graded. He was below average, a 51.8 grade in that game last night. Practice squad guy, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. That's where he belongs. Uh, all right, let's, let's see the quarterback grades here, just for fun. This is always a... Mon's going to be better than Mannion, right? Oh, man. Oh, God. Mannion was a disaster. Yeah, a 32.5 grade out of a I mean the, that that is an atrocious grade in almost any context. When you are a veteran in the league playing against second and third teamers, that is so bad. So his average depth of throw was better. It was 8.4, but it was just uh it was bad. And then Kellamon was a 67.3, so not atrocious. I think you know, the drops hurt him a little bit, but he took a couple really bad sacks. He was he was credited with three drops that would have improved his performance. Yep. But neither guy has performed well the last two weeks. So there you have it. Uh, receiving, just for fun here. Uh, it's tough to tell, but Amir Smith-Marset was the highest graded receiver last night. Everybody else was kind of meh or below average. And then on defense... 
the top-rated defensive player. We can get to some injury stuff here, too, before we wrap the episode. But uh, Chris Boyd was out there for 61 snaps. It was the highest-graded defensive player. TJ Smith was number two. He's an interior defensive lineman. Uh, Luigi Villain was the third best-graded player. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the bottom, so who is kind of a train wreck that's notable? Jalen Twyman did not have a good game last night. Brian Asamoah was dinged. He also got hurt at one point and then came back. So I don't know. Maybe he played half the game I, with an I injury. Care. I don't care about that one. No. I like when he, what he when, when he got hurt. I was like, let's just shut the game down here. Yeah. All right. I don't think we need. And then and then uh, T Y McGill got hurt too and did not come back. It's like, all right, do we need to be doing this? These are like the third potential player, roster right? guys here. Yeah, yeah, third play of the game. And then and then that was it for him. I hope that that doesn't prevent him from making the team because uh, that was a cool story, but. Sometimes if you get hurt in the third preseason game and you're a borderline roster guy, they say, well, that's uh, that's too bad. Brutal business. T.Y. Yeah. Bring the old play tablet. Yeah. And your uh, all your gear. You can keep some shorts, but uh, but that's about it. I'd love a pair of those shorts. shorts, Those mesh Viking. I love mesh shorts. You guys know that. I love me a zip up jacket. Do you like those too? I I do as well. Nice. I do as well. Nice. Let's definitely talk about the kicking situation here in a second. But first, uh, it is that time of year where last year Judd went into his weight loss plan and cave and came out 40 pounds lighter. Yep. You know what? And I I got a a note, and I don't know why, but it it was great. During the course of the game, a tweet last night uh, from a guy who had had done the exact same thing. And the note was very nice. It said, thank you for changing my, my life. But he shouldn't have been thanking me. He should have been thanking my friends. Livia Weight Control Centers, I believe he said he had dropped like 50 pounds on, on his way to like 80 pounds and, and basically is saying what I've said, what Don has said, and what and what most importantly you have said, and that is this, Livia works, and the weight loss program works, and here's the best part, keeping it off works, it changes lives, and all of a sudden you feel great. And their anniversary sale right now, you can join the program 50% off. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A-LIVIA.COM. L-I-V-E-A.COM. Last thing is I got a follow-up note that said, I'd love to join, but I'm in Florida. No, no, no. We've been talking about this, right, guys? We've been talking about this. Florida, Arizona, Seattle, Phil, um, New York. You know what? It doesn't matter because you can do virtual appointments. That's right. The food, and there's not a ton of food, the food sent to you. So you know what? Don't dismiss it and say, I can't do it because I'm not in state. Doesn't matter. Livia, L-I-V-E-A dot com. Go to that life-changing website today. You'll be happy you did. It also doesn't matter what state you're in when it comes to federated insurance, although they are based in Minnesota, in Owatonna, and, uh, and they are rooted in the upper Midwest. Their history is rich across the country with innovative, committed people guided by a core set of principles and values that they apply to your business. If you want to find out how you can take your business to the next level through risk management tools and resources, go to federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. All right, last night, what a showing for the Vikings special teams unit, at least the, the kicking and punting units. So we had, let's start with the field goals. We had a 58-yard field goal off of a terrible sack that Kellen Mond took. It's the exact type of thing you want your kicker to do, right? Oh, my God, our offense took a terrible sack. Yes. Are we even in field goal range anymore? I don't know. Let's see if we can knock a 58-yarder through, and Greg Joseph does it. 
I was almost more impressed by the other kick. So he had a 46-yarder earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys saw where that thing went through the uprights. First of all, it just split the uprights in half, maybe like a little left of center. And it hit the net almost at the top of the uprights from 46 yards. It would have been good from at least 65. I don't want to say 70 because I don't, I don't know what that looks like. In Denver, it might have been. Denver, you're probably right. Exactly. Denver helps. Being in Denver helps. But, man, Greg Joseph was, was money. And, uh, and I was watching specifically to see if there was any botching of the hold. I want to no. see where the laces are. And, uh, you know, linebacker-looking punter Ryan Wright, who also does the holding, did a good job. And then he also booted on the broadcast. They called it a 68-yard punt. In the stat sheet, it was a 71-yard punt that he kicked last night. Three of them inside the 20 out of the four that he kicked. And the, and the long one stuck at, like, the three-yard line. Just one of the most ridiculous punts. Pat McAfee picked it up on all of his social media. So, um, again, you got to take the, the distance of punts and kicks in that stadium, in that city, with a grain of salt. But uh, a great showing that should make even Judd Zolgad feel a little more comfortable by Greg Joseph and Ryan Wright last night. Well, to be very, very clear, the only thing that I have expressed concern about is the relationship when it comes to, to the long snapper, holder, and kicker. So, like the punting, the punting's been great. Punting, obviously fantastic. But, yeah, if this is... This continued, I think most importantly, um, what I think has been a phenomenal, and, and he wasn't bad last year, but Joseph ha- had the miss against Cardinals, and you know clearly with how Mike felt about kickers, it just soured things to a certain point. And Greg Joseph, we've talked about this since training camp started, has been great. And I really believe that aside from Kirk, the person that's going to just flat out benefit the most individually, mentally, is the kicker. Um, But it's sort of weird, too, because in some ways, and this is not true across the board, but in some ways, like with this one, we're sort of seeing Spielman, I think, vindicated um, with what he envisioned for things. And unfortunately, when uh, when, when your coach has tyrant tendencies towards certain positions, it, it hurts. But yeah, this just continued. Greg Joseph, I expect knock on wood for Vikings fans, I expect to have a phenomenal year. And and last night continued to show a confidence that I'm pretty certain we didn't see from a Vikings kicker once Mike got that job. Certainly not once Blair Walsh missed against Seattle. Yep, yep. I think we always have to be a little careful letting our guard down too much when it comes to kickers. Agreed. Around here. But uh, they're doing all the right things, it would seem. And they know what they're doing they're they're not just going to obliviously swap out the holder without some knowledge of what they're doing. And you know what? Maybe in a weird way, swapping out the holder in the way that they used to, maybe maybe just like the, the panic and the angst that Mike Zimmer created around the kicking situation made moves like that a bigger deal than they should have been. You know, maybe around other parts in the NFL, when you swap out a holder, it's not to be done carelessly, but it's not that big of a deal. Okay, guys, we'll we'll figure it out. We've got a system in place. We'll be patient. But the way that Mike Zimmer kind of went about these panic, Eric Spielman panic moves and we're going to get rid of the long snapper here and the holder here. And if you miss a kick, then I'm going to scowl at you on the sidelines. It's like if you're, if you approach it the way that O'Connell and this staff has approached it, which is, hey guys, we're going to make some mistakes here and there. It's all good. Just, uh, you got about three weeks to figure out the holding situation, but we believe in both of you and, uh, we think you're going to be great. Let us know what you need, right? Oh, okay. 
Okay. Cool. I feel I feel calm. All right. It's like having a caddy that's just like, hey man, just uh, let it rip, dude. Just uh, yeah, yeah. The water's not there. It's okay. You got this thing. So watch him miss four chip shots say. in week one against the yeah. Packers, and then we yeah. come back on this show and freak out. But. Greg Joseph has been perfect all season. Game seventeen, everything on the line. Oh, my God. oh it's like he won't miss. <laughs> oh God. Uh, all right. Uh, there's a lot more to get to in the weeks here, two weeks leading up to the Packers game. But in terms of just putting the third preseason game to bed, anything else from you guys off last night? Go ahead, Dex. I'm ready for regular season football, man. Uh, I, I, the Twins walking it off literally with a walk-off. Like, I love baseball, but I need some football in my life. And these preseason football games, you know, it, it's something. It's a little bubblegum. It's taste. But I want a full meal, man. I want my football Sundays two weeks from today be waking up and we'll have football on Sundays for the next three to four months. That's I'm just glad this preseason is being wrapped up. I'm glad. Thank goodness. If you have questions about why O'Connell and, and more and more teams don't play guys, like I'd like to see guys. And look, there's an argument to be made from the old four preseason games that the third one, you know, you'd play a half with your starters so that, that there were reps there. But if you're like, you know, we should go back to that. I have one thing to tell you. Look at the injury list for the Vikings from last night. Mm-hmm. And now we're, and now replace the names, Jefferson or Thielen or Kendricks because you all we got to get them some playing time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, Phil, when when you say that you saw guys get hurt and and thought shut this thing down, those are still backups. Mm-hmm. So so my biggest thing is for anyone you know 2022 guys are tough. You should play them in. You should play them in exhibition games. Look at that list from last night and replace those names with starters. In two weeks now, you've got to get them back. Can you? I don't know. I think the list of starting quarterbacks that didn't play a snap in the preseason is like 14. I think Kevin Seifert or somebody, one of the Vikings beat writers, or Andrew Kramer, I want to say, had that nugget a day or two ago. So almost half the teams are saying the most important position, the most important player on the team, we think so little of these preseason games that we are yes. not going to put the most important cog on the field because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're, we'd rather take our chances being a little rusty in week one, which, by the way, probably won't be <laughs> the way that these seasons. I think that was a thing for a while, but now these, these new coaches have found ways to just hone the offense in practice and in film study. That you're, I don't think you're going to see bumbling football across the board for a month like maybe you used to in the NFL, but... Yeah, it's not worth the risk, and right. I'm I'm glad the Vikings did it the way that they did it. I I think September's rough, but like six plays ain't gonna fix that. That that's the thing is, if you really wanted significant reps, you, you would have to go back to saying we're gonna play our first team guys for a half, which I'm not doing now. Yeah. But but like o- O'Connell said, and he's right. You know, you really want me to put him out for six plays? Hey, Kirk got six plays, and Jefferson ha- has a Liz Frank now. Congratulations, you're idiots. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So, all right. Well, there it is. That's uh, that's a wrap on our, our preseason recap episodes, thankfully. And if you have never experienced our regular season recap episodes, they are called Vikings Ventline, and uh, they are exclusive to the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And then after the fact, we do put the on-demand version on the podcast feeds, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find Purple Daily. But it is the most fan-friendly, interactive show in all of Minnesota sports. We bring you guys into the video with us on a weekly basis, where uh, sometimes, like Chansey and Fargo, will light a literal dumpster fire. Sometimes Bob in Pennsylvania will just be in a hot tub, ranting and pointing at maps. It's can't-miss 
television, if you will, on YouTube every single Sunday. So uh, we are ready for yet another season of Vikings Ventline. Be sure to check it out right after Packers. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you tell your friends about uh, the Before I Die can, too, that they can find inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. The regular season starts. It starts against the hated Packers. And you know what? It also starts with, with the uh, PD credo of Before I Die never having been more true. And on that day, if you're going to be attending Vikings Packers, guess what you can get? You can get Surly's Before I Die beer. And Before I Die, what does that mean? You know what it means. It means 60-plus years the Vikings have been here. No Super Bowls. That changes now. What is your small role? What is your small role? Because you're probably not going to play safety. I'm certainly not. You're not going to play quarterback. Hell no. Your small role is to get on board with supporting the cause. And Before I Die beer from Surly does exactly that. Our friends from Surly, so many great choices. But on this day, with the regular season two weeks away for the Vikings, I want to focus on the most important thing, and that's getting this team a damn Lombardi trophy. Wow. Inspirational stuff there from Judd. We'll hit you on Monday with uh, another episode of Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.